Welcome to the Resources for Integrated Care webinar, Identifying and Meaning the Language Preferences of Health Plan Members. This podcast is excerpted from a webinar presented live on September 11, 2018. In this podcast, Executive Director for the Coalition of Limited English-Speaking Elderly, Marta Pereira, will discuss meeting language preferences through partnering with community-based organizations. Good morning and good good afternoon. Um, it is a pleasure to uh, present at the at this webinar um, regarding language preferences through partnering with community-based organizations. I represent the community-based organizations. We can go to the next slide. Um, typical community-based organizations, and I just wanted to uh, say that clearly because often um, area agencies on aging are considered community-based organizations. Uh, as well, obviously they are in part. Uh, CLEES, however, doesn't have any dedicated funding from any particular federal or state resources. That's why we are sort of, you know, um, getting resources and, and, and taking care of our mission and needs, um, simply writing grants and to various institutions such as federal government and state government and private foundations. Um, CLEES uh, was formed in the late 90s um, as a group of immigrant and refugee community leaders who were asked to assist the City of Chicago uh, Department on Aging at that time to conduct an extensive ethnic elderly assessment in the city and surrounding counties because the city saw uh, culturally different groups, at, at, you know, minority seniors coming or being present in the area, however, not being recipients of services they required. And findings from that assessment show that lack of language proficiency and cultural barriers obviously prevented those limited English-speaking older adults from getting services and, and programs they needed. Uh, at that time, um, those leaders who were assisting in conducting that research uh, project, uh, have decided to form a permanent coalition because they work together very frequently. They were conducting practically those interviews with older adults and they were uh, moving that research project forward. And they discovered that they have much more in common than differences. So since then, uh, CLEES is in operation uh, for a little bit over 30 years in the state of Illinois. Um, in the next slide, you can see that we are composed of about 55 uh, ethnically diverse community-based social service organizations. Um, typical social service organizations, again, uh, who are getting grants and programs based on, on uh, applying for those grants. Um, we represent more than 50 ethnolinguistic groups and speak over 100 languages. Um, Illinois is a very welcoming state. Um, it's in the group of 10 states which have the largest number of refugee resettlement uh, process going on. Um, as a group, as a coalition, uh, our member organizations serve over 200,000 clients uh, every year, and majority of those clients are older adults, 60 years and older. And we do, um, we have sort of, uh, our role as a coalition, as an advocacy group, is, is sort of twofold. We work with providers uh, who conduct uh, home and community-based services as well as other services to their respective communities. 
but we also work with uh, limited English speaking seniors directly through those provide through this provider's network. Um, we do conduct uh, our mission by providing leadership, education, and advocacy. We do inform both providers and seniors about ver various policy changes, system changes, new transitions in the system, such as transition to managed care. Um, we also provide some direct services, recently including interpretation services. In the next slide, you can see that um, as as a group, um, pretty large group, uh, which is uh, comprised of uh, various immigrants and, and, and refugee groups, uh, we sort of have that first-hand knowledge of Im what that means to be an immigrant, what that means not to speak the language well, um, how to manage, how to understand the reality around me, how to navigate uh, care. Uh, so this is a very unique experience, which we eagerly wanted to share with plans in our state when managed care transition occurred to help them better understanding, understand that experience. And that, partner, that partnership, that partnering process with, with plans is definitely mutually beneficial and truly profoundly impacts the lives of uh, members of those plans. Um, as a result of our partnership with uh, managed care plans, we were able to establish a formalized language access center. That's, that's the, the direct service uh, unit, service unit, which basically was created as a result of the process of transition to managed care in our state. In the next slide, you can see obvious facts such as but the language and cultural differences definitely create barriers, and um, both of my predecessors so eloquently spoke about it as well, um, especially that, that, that uh, slide where we talk about, uh, I believe Darcy was mentioning that, those six domains of healthcare quality. One of them is patient-centered approach, which is uh, sort of a dominant uh, idea in, in care in, in healthcare today. You know, there's no patient-centered approach without um, under, by the, without understanding of the process by the patient, um, and being able to communicate back with the healthcare provider. So those barriers in communication um, are addressed by by the services we provide. Um, we've noticed when the managed care uh, transition started occurring in our state that. It was a very overwhelming process for many people, uh, especially limited English-speaking communities, and among them older adults. They truly couldn't understand what is happening around them, uh, how to read and understand various correspondence coming from the state regarding enrollment process. Um, the letters that were coming were not necessarily properly addressed, and they were ending up in the garbage can. Uh, briefly speaking, um, people uh, were not aware of um, following the deadlines, that they didn't observe those deadlines, they didn't understand why they should follow up on those deadlines, as well as the opting out, opting in process to various plans. That was definitely something, uh, and, and, until this day, older adults uh, have difficulty uh, navigating and how, let's say, opting out of certain plans will affect the rest of their services. Um, 
communicating effectively with care coordinators uh, became a humongous problem because uh, members couldn't do this uh, openly, couldn't say anything back, couldn't talk freely about their needs and wants, um, as well as weren't able to navigate their their care. So uh, on the next slide, you can see that um, the transition to managed care, in our state at least, it was something which came very quickly and nobody was prepared <laughs> how to uh, how to navigate that, that change. Uh, it came as a result of uh, ACA, ACA as well as local SMART Act uh, enacted by our General Assembly. Uh, it was called uh, Safe Medicaid uh, and Resources Together Act. I think it was enacted in 2000, beginning of 2011, which was addressing Medicaid uh, problems in our state and mandated that 50% of beneficiaries uh, should be enrolled in the managed care system by January 2015. So that was a lot of work, which we realized that if we will not um, take, you know, get involved and start uh, working extensively with uh, various stakeholders, it will be a um, big loss for, for, for our clients at that time. Uh, that, 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 that transition to managed care created confusion, obviously, and, and for both providers and uh, clients, especially older adults. Um, we didn't have any prior examples of how to proceed during times like that in terms of that transition. So uh, plans also realize, at least some of them, I should say most of them, that it is a challenge for them as well if um, there are needs for addressing the language preferences among members and how that should be done. Um, we um, realize that that process that process of addressing language preferences has to start at, at the beginning of the of, of the whole process, such as the enrollment. Uh, we um, basically took an active role and reached out to the leadership of various medical plans which were present, which were coming to Illinois at that time, and we started talking about the needs and language preferences among limited English proficiency populations. In the next slide, you can see that um, basically we were uh, doing this um, various ways, I should say. We were um, approaching plans. We were um, approaching our providers in the state, mostly minority providers, but also regular providers, mainstream providers were joining those meetings. We started organizing bi-monthly meetings uh, with uh, plans, various plans based on their availability as well, and providers of home and community-based services and generally uh, providers of other services as well. Um, federally qualified health clinics, for example, we had many of those always present during our meetings as well. Um, so we were meeting together. We were addressing the issues of language and cultural barriers among limited English-speaking populations in our state. We were then in detail meeting with providers, sort of on separate basis, and um, talking about transition to managed care, um, particular processes such as contracting, billing, clients transfer, all those aspects were, 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 were topics for those meetings. We were doing this via webinars or one-on-one consultations. Um, in the next slide, you can see we also were uh, holding uh, 
at least quarterly, some cultural competency trainings to plants. And it was different than the cultural competency uh, trainings, which plants had ready for us. Um, we were talking about our knowledge, our immigrant experience and our knowledge of clients whom we know by name and whom we serve for many years. And we were bringing that experience to care coordination staff of plants. And they really appreciated that. Uh, we were able to uh, help and assist plants in identifying members and identifying languages spoken as well. Because we knew, we know our clients for so many years, and uh, that was a very uh, useful, uh, CLEES became a very useful resource for plants. We also work with an enrollment broker in our state, realizing that um, there, there were certain requirements when, the, when, the, when people were calling the first time or second time trying to enroll to some plan. They were expected to say in English, what language they speak. For some languages, we realize it's almost impossible so for some Asian dialects to say in English the name of that dialect. It was basically very, very difficult for that person to do. So we were working with that enrollment broken, basically making them realize those type of barriers in the caller and how to address them and how to better um, understand their, that type of challenge. Um, so we had a number of meetings with that enrollment broker at that time. It was the, the beginning of the transition to managed care process. We also started um, Department on Aging, local Department on Aging, Illinois, uh, realized the need for addressing the um, benefits assistance in more, sort of broader um, way and, and, and embracing the diversity of Illinois. and. They were subcontracting, contracting with CLEES to provide senior health insurance program education and counseling to members. And at that time, it was, I think, 2013, we started working with the department on SHIP program, addressing those type of needs. It became a very successful program because there's a lot of need among minority populations regarding those type of issues, benefits access in their own languages. Uh, the next slide. Um, shows that we also work not only with providers and plants, but we also address the population itself. Through providers network that we are, we were able to reach um, members, future members of plants, and with educational um, pamphlets, information, uh, discussions about transition to managed care. We try to um, sort of, you know, at least make some first steps in that process. Um, plans obviously came well equipped with their own tools in terms of t addressing language preferences, mostly via phone and potentially maybe interpreter services uh, through language line or other sources. But we realized that people locally, you know, if they're in, on the local level, they sometimes interpreters who are coming and sort of to the phone and try to talk to our members um, might lack some specific knowledge regarding the managed care transition in, in that particular state at any given time. And sometimes those, in, those services were not very accurate. Um, 
we were just getting that that feedback from 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 clients so that's that's something we realized simply by talking to to clients we were educating we were trying to reach uh, clients with through various uh, venues such as edu- educational sessions media campaigns we have a lot of ethnic media uh, venues in, in, in Illinois, in Chicago area, Northern Illinois. So that, all of those were very useful. Um, and at the same time, we were able to, we realized uh, that we became a good resource for plants, and we established that formalized language access center. Within that capacity, we provide not only in-person and also telephonic interpretation, but priority is given to in-person contact. Uh, But we also assist care coordinators of plans in scheduling those visits, following up on those visits, uh, scheduling and and being part of family meeting if necessary and if requested by care coordination. We also provide, we kind of follow the member wherever the member is. Sometimes the care coordination might be asking us to not only assist at home during the home visits, during needs assessment process, but also in the hospital setting, doctor's visit, uh, resolving sort of small issues, but which have to be resolved on the spot, sort of speaking. So we are always available to do that. so this is a comprehensive in-person, next slide is showing that, comprehensive in-person language access uh, assistance to health plans. State, our state, helps with identifying, initially identifying the language languages spoken by members, but this is not always accurate. Plans often tell us that the um, lists or information that is given by the state uh, it's not always accurate in terms of what type of language uh, any member speaks. So currently we have about five contracts with, with plans, various plans, and uh, we are often asked to investigate, quote-unquote, and um, identify that language preference. Um, when we're scheduling the visit, when we're establishing that initial report with the client, uh, we have about 25, uh, 10 to, to 25, as I say, 10 basically, like largely spoken languages in the state of uh, Illinois, uh, including Spanish, Polish, Cantonese, Mandarin, various Asian, South Asian languages and dialects, Middle Eastern languages and dialects, East African languages and dialects. But we, it also grows uh, specific, uh, specifically when particular refugee for group is present. And we, we're dealing with rare languages, as we say, and we are definitely able to identify the uh, interpreter of such language as well. <clears throat> uh, in terms of training, we are focusing on various aspects of that home visit and care coordination. Um, we are ourselves, as a CLIS staff, running that type of services. Uh, we've been trained by plans on various aspects of care coordination, on the assessment tools, what that entails, what to expect. And we are able to take that knowledge and convey that knowledge to our interpreters who are already certified, um, most of them medical interpreters, with a good experience, but we also adding to that experience additionally. 
and there are various aspects of the home visit or scheduling that visit or hospitals in, visit in the hospital settings, nursing home, where they learn uh, new aspects of, of that type of interaction and, and, and accuracy in translating uh, that, that type of content. Um, often, uh, our interpreters serve as cultural brokers. Uh, and they are um, they conveying not only the language and the, the message, which is in any given moment crucial, but they also are able to convey the cultural ramification of such message. They are able to help care coordinator understand why the member uh, behave certain way, why certain comments are coming out of members, why they say, well, we never talk about death and dying in our culture. This is something which we would never address. A uh, member, of course, uh, talks about it a certain way, and that interpreter is able to convey that message to the, to the care coordinator, which is crucial. In that current slide, you can see uh, that the presence of in-person interpreter at client environment, home, hospital bed, it's really bring them comfort and good understanding of what's going on in that interaction and at any given moment. It empowers the member to truly uh, address their need and uh, encourages the member as well to reveal any significant information, which might be very important uh, at any given moment of, the, of, of that process of caring for, for that person. Um, CLEAS contributes to building that strong relationship between members, plans, and, and interpreters. And often care coordinators are asking for particular uh, interpreter to visit members. They're feeling very comfortable. There is a report, there is a relationship already established between care coordinator and interpreter, and they go together. They are able to address uh, members. They, they work together well and they see this as an effective process, and, and, and when care coordinator is satisfied, they're letting us know, I would like to work with that particular person because I had a great experience for a long time. And we always are able to set it up that way. Um, we know that when the care coordinator is at member's home and they leave that business card with them, uh, it is very natural for care coordinator to do that, obviously. Please call me if you have any questions. Uh, and we can translate that. But what that really means for um, for the member, the member usually will never call on, on his or her own. They will not be able to address that process and going through all those steps of, of connecting with that care coordinator. So we are able to sort of step in and say, you know, this is what you could do. You know, this is, and the care coordinator sometimes say, you know, we have additional telephonic services, you could use them. Sometimes, however, we have a situation when the member is calling us, please, and is asking, can you please help me call, uh, call that care coordinator because I have a question. And we, of course, doing that. Uh, so uh, in that area, you know, we, when I was mentioning that cultural broker function, sometimes we really build that strong relationship which helps member uh, basically be more proactive. And instead of going through various uh, hoops, when it comes to calling uh, an authority figure, which care coordinator is, is exactly who that person is, for that, for, for that particular client member, they call CLEAS because they feel like they can speak openly and freely about their need. Um, 
In the next slide, we can see an example of such visit. For example, we had that situation fairly recently when we were visiting Ms. Torres. Her name was changed, obviously, for the purpose of this presentation. And she was about 75 years old. She was an immigrant from Ecuador. And uh, currently in Illinois, we have that program called Health Choice Illinois, where we were, the state was uh, choosing a couple of plans, um, and members and people, clients, have to uh, enroll to those plans. Um, and again, the whole process is a little bit confusing for, for, for clients for older adults who don't speak English because they, are, they don't react to necessary to the letters which have been sent out. So they are being auto-assigned to new plan without necessarily their knowledge of, of that process. And because of that barrier and lack of knowledge how to manage that, 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 process, that system, Ms. Torres uh, was assigned to some plan and I was a care coordinator from that new plan calling her trying to, through Language Line or some other vendors, uh, trying to set up that home visit. And she was refusing. She was very upset. She said, why they are calling me? Uh, I already had some visit recently in my home. And what we've discovered in the next slide, um, obviously that visit indeed took place, but it was with different plan and different care coordinator. So she was right. However, that was a different medical plan at that time. So we were, the plan, the new plan was uh, asking Cleese to uh, reach out to Ms. Torres and establish that relationship and ask her if she would be able to accept the home visit. And after some conversation and explaining plenty of detail regarding that process of auto-assignment or why she is in a new plan, etc., she was able to accept that visit. Um, in fact, that interpreter who called her worked uh, previously with a previous plan and previous care coordinator with the same member, Ms. Torres. So she recognized that person. She already had some established relationship and she was uh, able to accept that visit from the new plan. And that's because of the trust established between CLEES, between, excuse me, between care coordinator and a member that she felt very much uh, okay accepting that visit and being active part of it. Later on, the care coordinator told us that she was able to gather all necessary information regarding health risk assessment and other details regarding that particular member. So that was a very successful visit, ultimately. The last slide is uh, talking about uh, potential strategies for plans to partner with local community-based organizations, because local CBOs are a great resource for plans in any given state. So based on our experience, we strongly recommend that you are, when you're searching for a ophthalmologist that speaks Cantonese, <laughs> in certain, in some states Cantonese might be a rare language, many of them in many states Cantonese is not such a rare language when it comes to minority languages. But uh, if you have such need, you can definitely utilize local resources. Those community-based organizations have that type of knowledge. We also encourage plans to recognize um, an ongoing relationship with uh, community-based organizations. And um, there are good resource and good information source on languages spoken in, the, in, in your state and among your members, as well as various cultural information they might basically uh, present to you regarding minority populations. And also, based on our experience, CLISA's experience, 
collaboration with minority uh, leaders in, in in your area might be very useful and uh, in um, helping you understand the cultural language differences and how they affect health outcomes among your members. Uh, CLEAS is working, uh, developing more services and expanding its services outside of our state and going to various states. So it might be a good opportunity for us potentially collaborate together in the future. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening. This podcast is presented by the Lewin Group and is supported through the Medicare and Medicaid Coordination Office at the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. MMCO is dedicated to helping beneficiaries enrolled in Medicare and Medicaid have access to seamless, high-quality health care that includes a full range of covered services in both programs. To support providers in their efforts to deliver more integrated and coordinated care, MMCO is developing technical assistance and actionable tools based on successful innovations and care models. To learn more about the current efforts and resources, please visit our website or follow us on Twitter for more details. Our Twitter handle is at integrate underscore care.